Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tuned in. Jeremiah feels deeply about A, what he's saying, and B, who he's saying it to. He cares very deeply. What's the role of a prophet? The role of a true prophet of God is to hear God and speak his word and to intercede for those they prophesy to. The test of a prophet's word is obviously whether it comes true and whether it agrees with God's word. A false prophet tends to tell people what they want to hear. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was speaking God's word, but it wasn't palatable to the people because they had moved so far away from God's truth. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 28, making people trust a lie. The thing that really grips me is that much of what he said was actually fulfilled in his lifetime. The people actually saw it. In fact, we're we're coming up to a very special moment in this book where the king that he has been spending the bulk of his ministry prophesying to asks to see him in private and King Zedekiah will say to him and he'll list off the prophecies you prophesied that Jack and I would be taken and he was you prophesied that the Babylonian army would come and they weren't even a world empire they're now world empire and they come just as you said, you prophesied that I would be made king. I was. You prophesied that, and he goes on and he lists it and he says, you said all this. I know you said it. This is an unbelieving king <laughs> who then says, now I want you to tell me what's going to happen. Give me the word of the Lord. And of course, I don't want to take the wind out of my sails for that message, which is coming up. But, but Jeremiah has an interesting response to the king at this point. So that's just preempting that. So let's look at this. Jeremiah, this is the, the prophet who not only prophesied, this is the prophet who felt what he prophesied. He really cared. Now your perception of a prophet may be a hard-nosed, hard-toothed sort of tell-it-as-it-is type guy and I don't care how you feel or whatever. That's not Jeremiah. Jeremiah feels deeply about A, what he's saying and B, who he's saying it to. He cares very deeply. In fact, he says early on in his book, when I prophesy, my eyes become like fountains. I weep and weep and weep. So he, he's become known as the prophet who wept. And as we look at this section, and again, I'm reminded of just how incredible it is that every time we go to look at this, It just seems to me like there's something happening in culture that relates directly to this word that is two and a half thousand years old. It's just amazing how relevant this still is today. So this is making the people trust a lie. We're in Jeremiah chapter 28. So if you'd please turn to that, we're going to read from verse 1. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah... In the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, I want you to note that name, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people saying. Now, let me paint the scene for you. The king has called a council because they've heard that the Babylonians are considering to come and march on their city. The king of Babylon's already come in and said, 
I'm now running the show here. You will pay tax to me. That's called tribute. You'll pay tribute to me. And the, the initial king said, no, I won't. So he came in with his army and said, okay, you're, now, you're not the king anymore. Off you go. I'm taking you back as my prisoner. And he appointed his uh, brother as the king and changed his name as a sign of, oh, I've got power over you, changed his name to Zedekiah. And so this Zedekiah has got a council meeting happening and he's heard that Babylon's about to come back in and he's called his priests and prophets together, didn't invite Jeremiah, and they're saying, tell, the, tell Nebuchadnezzar he can stick it up his jumper, we've got God on our side, we've got the temple, he can't defeat us, we're God's people, we're full of power for the hour, no one can touch us. And then bang, in through the back door, uninvited, walks a young 21 or 22-year-old, if he's that old, Jeremiah, shackled, wearing a, a, a yoke that you would ordinarily put on an oxen of some kind, or a prisoner, uh, in the, kind of like in stock. So you've got this yoke that, that you would see, you know, two hands, neck. Thing. He comes in, he's locked himself in this thing and he walks in and he utters these most profound words and please do not utter these words lightly. Thus says the Lord, you will be taken in yokes to Babylon. Well, after he's finished saying this, we've now got verse 1. Hananiah is about to say something to him. Every commentator I've looked at has pointed out that in the Hebrew, there's a very sharp distinction between this guy Hananiah and Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the prophet Jeremiah. Hananiah is called Hananiah the prophet. And commentators believe it's actually making a point that Jeremiah was the prophet. Hananiah was calling himself a prophet. Just an interesting point. So this begs the question, I think, you've got Jeremiah saying, what they're telling you, King Zedekiah, is a lie. What is really going to happen is that Babylon will invade again, we will be taken prisoners, and this city will be destroyed by fire. Then you've got Hananiah about to make his statement and preempt it. It's completely opposite to what Jeremiah's just said. So here's the question. <laughs> Who's the real prophet? Before we can answer that question, we have to figure out what does a prophet do? What is the role of a prophet? What is the role of a prophet? Because this guy Hananiah, and perhaps some of you have already started to sneak down, he utters in verse 2 these most awesome words. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you utter those words, you are in grave danger if you are wrong. You are in grave danger if you are just making it up. That's just by the way. Now let's come back here. What's the role of a true prophet of God? Well, firstly, a true prophet of God hears from God. One of these men was hearing from God. The other one was just making it up. A true prophet 
hears from God and speaks God's word. That's not the end of the statement, by the way. There's one more line of this statement because I think it's really important. Not only do they hear from God, not only do they speak the word of God, they only speak that which God commands them to speak. We've actually got record where God spoke to prophets and said, don't tell the people that. Don't speak that. In fact, most of the time we're going to see God's word came to the prophet and God and the prophet were in communion. And then there was some distance of time where then the prophet would have to go and speak that word after he had clarity from God. That's the first thing. We're going to boil this down to two things that prophets do. Number one, speak what God tells them. So they hear from God and they speak what God tells them. The second thing, the prophet intercedes for those they prophesy to. In fact, you find reference to this in the previous chapter where Jeremiah actually lists this. It's um, verse 18. Uh, If they are prophets and if the word of the Lord is with them, then let them intercede with the Lord of hosts. So someone who hears from God, feels a word from God, may be instructed to share it, not necessarily, but they will most definitely be called to pray, to pray for those that God has put on their heart. So how can you tell whether someone's really a prophet? They really care about those they're speaking to. They intercede. They intercede. Now, as I think about this, and I think about us as a church, and I think about all the criticism we're now getting from people in power, particularly in our state, who are saying things about the church today. I tried to find the exact reference. I couldn't find the exact reference. But I remember in the Hansard, it's recorded in the Hansard, where they were debating Easter trading hours. And she was arguing, deregulate, just let shops open Good Friday, let them open Easter Sunday, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore because Christianity is now not relevant in our state. This is put out there. Recently, said churches should get their noses out of politics and get back to helping the poor because that's what they're here for. Hmm. So when churches make statements that are somewhat prophetic to our society, we may not say, thus says the Lord, this is wrong. We just may say, this is wrong. And really what we mean is, thus says the Lord, This is wrong. We need to be prophetic. And one of the concerns I have is that when people won't be prophetic as a church because they're afraid. We read that charge that Paul gave Timothy. God has not given you the spirit of fear. When God called Joshua to take Israel into the promised land, he had to tell him over and over and over in Joshua chapter 1, Fear not. Now, why would he be telling Joshua that? (laughs) Probably had occasion to be fearful. And I think as a church, we need to be able to say, this is right, this is wrong. 
And when we say it, we're not saying it like we're judging you with a bony finger pointing at you. We're saying it because we care. We're saying it because we love you. We're saying it because God's ways are the best ways. We're not asking you to join our church. We're not doing that at all. We're just simply saying some things are right, some things are wrong. We need to understand it. The next verse says this, thus says the Lord of hosts. This is Hananiah, who we just heard. This is what he said. The God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hmm. Verse 3. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. So when Nebuchadnezzar came in the first time, deposed the king, put Zedekiah in as king, he took some of the things from the temple. Verse 4. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, so that's the king that he took away, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, that includes people like Daniel, who were taken away at that time, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hmm. Okay, so here we've got a, you know, we've got a problem. We've got Jeremiah saying one thing, we've got Hananiah saying exactly the opposite. Here's the question the king should have asked. How can I test which prophet is really from God? That's what he should have done. But he didn't. He did what most people do by human nature. Human nature takes that which they like. The test of a prophet's word is whether what they say comes true. It actually says that in Deuteronomy 18. Just blatantly says that, Deuteronomy 18. But there's another test. That's the first test. And the second test is this one. The test of a prophet's word is whether it agrees with God's word. That's also in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 down to verse 4. So you've got those two tests mentioned in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18... If a, if a prophet says something and that thing comes to pass, that prophet is from God. But it qualifies it. If, in Deuteronomy 13, if that thing that the prophet says comes to pass, but that prophet has also said, go after idols, that prophet is not speaking on behalf of God. That's what the king should have done. This is what we notice in the Bible about false prophets. I, if I had the time, I would unpack this a little bit for you and show that today there is the gift of the prophet. There are prophets today. I've met about four in my entire lifetime. Nearly 50 years on this planet, I reckon I've met four. I've met about 140 who claim to be a prophet. Then you can have someone who has the gift of prophecy. They may not be a prophet. And someone can have a New Testament gift of prophecy and be well-meaning, but be wrong. That doesn't make them a false prophet. It just means they got it wrong. So, how can you tell whether someone's a false prophet? A false prophet will tell people what they like to hear. They'll tell people what they like to hear. I could say more about that, but let's come back to the text. Verse 5. 
Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah, the prophet. Notice that the prophet Jeremiah, Hananiah, the prophet. In the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. Now I'm intrigued about this because Hananiah is still called Hananiah the prophet. This guy may once have been a true prophet. What happened to Hananiah that he became a false prophet? What's happened? This is what I've discovered about following Christ. You as a young child may have seen Jesus. I don't mean visually seen him. I mean you get it. You get that Jesus is God's son. God so loved the world that he sent his son. And that you need to put your faith and trust in him. But then stuff happens in life. Maybe disappointments come. Maybe heartache comes. Maybe really, really, really nice temptation comes. Maybe you're a guy and really nice temptation comes wearing a very short dress. And suddenly your commitment to Christ is put to the test. And if you have given your life to Christ and you've never been put to the test, you've probably never given your life to Christ. And here, this person makes a small compromise and kids themselves. And I wonder if that's what happened to Hananiah. I wonder if Hananiah was once a true prophet who made a small compromise years ago. It's a funny thing when you're on a journey and you go one degree off. As you keep going, that one degree is not measured in inches or feet or meters. It's still measured by degrees. And so this is a a warning, I think, for me. Just you can listen in while I warn myself. Compromise is so easy. You don't say something because you're you're fearful you could offend someone. You do say something because you want someone to like you. They're both compromise. You take God's word and you manipulate it for your own ends. It's compromise. Hananiah enjoyed a position in the royal palace. He was compromised. Back to the text, verse 6. And the prophet Jeremiah said, and by the way, I I find this remarkable. Jeremiah says this, Amen, may the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Verse 9. As for the prophet, now this is why I know that Jeremiah knew the book of Deuteronomy. Because he quotes it. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the, prophet has tr- that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. So Jeremiah is quoting Deuteronomy. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, notice it's flipped. Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And you have made this people trust in a lie. To trust in a lie. Did you know it's a lie to say that any religion will bring you peace with God? Do you know it's a lie to say that any religion will get you into heaven? You know, it's a lie to say any religion will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. 
It's a lie. But doesn't it sound judgmental? It sounds harsh, doesn't it? Yet, when we read God's word, we see that God has provided the best way of salvation. And by definition, best can only be one. Verse 16. So we've come down here. It says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. And we come to the last verse. And, it, and it's a commentary on what Jeremiah said. In fact, this was written two months after Jeremiah just spoke those words. In that same year, in the seventh month, how do we know? Because it's opened up in verse 1 by telling us it was the fifth month. So now we're in the seventh month. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. This is what I'm saying about Jeremiah being a rather profound prophet. Because while they've locked him up in stocks, put him in prison, his word is still coming to pass and everybody in that throne room would have heard him say it and now they've seen what he said. And it happened not after he died, not hundreds of years after he was alive, but it happened within eight weeks of him saying it. Hmm. That would cause me to think, this man might be the real deal. It's interesting that Hananiah said, within two years, Jerusalem will be free. And within two months, he was dead. Hmm. Do not trifle with God's word. So let's consider this. We'll bring this to a close. What Jeremiah was saying was not welcome. He was saying, you have strayed from God. God must deal. He is a just God. This is what you must do. Submit to God's judgment. And the people said, oh, we don't like that. That doesn't sound nice. It's unwelcome because they didn't like it. When we say to people, there is one God who has one plan of salvation. There's only one way to be forgiven of sin. There's only one way that you can know for sure that after this life, you'll go into the next, into heaven for eternity. And that is by giving your life to Christ. The people might not like it. They may even do what King Zedekiah did. I think Zedekiah thought he was on Jerusalem Idol or something. You know, like, let's vote for the best prophet. You know, dial in now, uh, 1-800-PROPHET-A, 1-800-PROPHET-B, and let's get whoever gets the most votes is the real prophet. You know, truth doesn't work on a democratic vote. <laughs> you may not like it. You may vote against it. You may vote God off the island. <laughs> but it's his island. <laughs> Secondly, the peop- why, why was this word so unwelcome? The people had moved so far away from God's word, so far away from it, that when they heard it, it sounded foreign to them. (laughs) Here's the problem we've got today. We've got the word of God in burgundy leather bond. And over here, madam, you'll find a hard, you know, large. we We bought a Bible for Ruby the other day. There's like a wall. Then there's a stand, both sides. 
There's big ones, little ones, coloured ones, ones with cartoons in them, ones with all different coloured outside. You can, man, I'll have one of them, I'll have a couple of them. You can take them home and still never read them. <laughs> What's the point? I'm actually saying, read it. Become familiar with it. So here's the point. If you want to meet with God, you'll meet with him in his word. It's as simple as that. Oh, I want to meet you, God. Well, meet with him in his word. As you read this word, God speaks. That's how we meet with God. And here's my question to you. Are you trusting a lie? Are you trusting a lie that says Christianity is just man-made, I'm not going to put my faith in anything Christians say because it's just man-made. That's a lie. I don't know who told you that. That's a lie. Are you going, I can't believe in a God who would order the massacre of people. What a cruel God. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a misconception of, of the God we worship. The God we worship is an incredibly loving God. He can only do, only does, and is only good. Maybe you're believing a lie. Maybe you're believing a lie that says you don't need any faith belief system in order to go to heaven, be made right with God. That is a lie. Maybe you believe a lie that says, well, Jesus died on the cross. He died for everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. That is a lie. Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the Pharisees who rejected him, he said, you will die in your sins. Not sins forgiven. Die in their sins. That's what Jesus said. So here's my invitation to you. Will you pray a prayer and ask God to show you the truth? Ask God to show you what you need to do? It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, please forgive me of my sins. Come and live in me and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. Will you pray that? Let's pray. Father, I pray for us, the church, that we will be faithful to your word. Father, I pray that we will be a people who will be prophetic so that, Father, we can speak to hearts. And appeal to consciences. But Lord, as people's consciences are so misinformed that, Father, as they hear the word of God from us, we will be a part of informing the conscience of our state. Now, Lord, I pray for every person here that they will live a life of surrender to you. Help me to be a faithful shepherd and help us to be a faithful people. As we yield to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah's message to the people was not a welcome one because they had moved so far away from God's word. If you want to know God, then meet him in his word. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Making People Trust a Lie, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of the Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.